Well, good morning. Man, it's good to see you. This room is so full for all the people who are in our Discover Four Points class this morning. We're so excited um, that we've got a lot of folks here this morning learning more about Four Points and how to be plugged in. If you missed it, uh, this go-round, we're going to be doing it the second week every month during the 930 service, so you could sign up for next time. Who enjoyed worship this morning? (laughs) Guys, nobody lifts Jesus high. (laughs) like Four Points Church does, and I'm so excited about that. You do not want to miss this coming Wednesday at 6.30, right here is Night of Worship, and what that's going to be is just a night where we come together just to worship the Lord, and it is going to be epic, so you do not want to miss it. Um, We're going through a series here at Four Points that we started two weeks ago called The Daily Grind. What is The Daily Grind? We all know what it is, right? It's everything that we do every day between Sundays, right? When we work and we have conversations and relationships and we make decisions. And um, this morning, we're going to be talking about how to make decisions. Like how to know what God's will is. Something about this Daily Grind series, sometimes you preach messages that are just a lot about hype and getting like excited in the Lord. This series, The Daily Grind, guys, is all about giving us practical tools to live out our Monday through Sunday every single week. So I want to encourage you to get out your notebook or your notes app on your phone um, just to take some notes because you're going to want to look back at your notes maybe sometime when you're making a big decision and you want to know what the will of the Lord is. I don't know about you, but my life has been pretty chaotic, (laughs) and not necessarily in a bad way. I mean, it's part of my story of coming to know Christ, like when I did, how God began to work in my life. You know, there are some guys and girls in ministry, they, they have this like trajectory in mind, like I'm going to graduate from high school. I'm going to go to Bible college, and then I'm going to go to seminary, and then I'm going to be a youth pastor, and then I'm going to graduate to be a senior pastor at a smaller church, and then I'm going to graduate to be the senior pastor at a larger church, and then I'm going to graduate to be the senior pastor of an even larger church, and then I'm going to retire and work for like the Baptist convention, and uh, you know, just live the dream in my retirement, you know? But my life has not been like that, guys. My life has been all over the map. Like I've gone from being in ministry to being in the mission field to working in a factory to studying to be a mechanic to like all these different things. And one thing that I've learned, it's not bad to have plans. It's not bad to make plans. But the most important thing in the life of a believer is not your trajectory to success, It's knowing what the will of God is and following it. Goals are a good thing. You know, at some point I have to retire. My wife and I were talking about that, you know, maybe 15, 20, 25, 30 years down the road. She's like, what are you going to do when we retire one day? I was like, I don't know, be a greeter at Walmart. I'll find something to keep me busy, right? Secretly, I want to retire and own a bed and breakfast and play in a blues band. That would be be pretty cool because what I've learned is that when you get over 40, you can't be in a rock band anymore. (laughs) Not unless you're already famous. So like if you grew up playing rock and roll, which I did, you know, blues and jazz is all you got left. 
uh, by the time you retire. But all joking aside, maybe Four Points Church will need a senior adult pastor by the time I get old. So maybe I'll do that. But life is full of transitions. Here's something we know about the trajectory or the path that you've chosen for your life. Your life will not go that way. Right? I see some gray hair in the room and you can look at me right now and say, yeah, this didn't go according to plan. Right? God has a way of shaking things up. And because life is always changing, we always have questions. We have important questions like, you know, which player should be on my fantasy football team? <laughs> I'm joking, but really, like, I have no idea. I'm going to have to, like, choose my guys with some friends so they can tell me which players are actually um, the good ones. But you might be asking this morning, if you're younger, what career should I choose? That's a huge decision, right? Or maybe you're asking, is, is there another career for me? I'm doing something now, but I don't, I don't feel a piece about it. I don't feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. I've got a lot of questions. Maybe you're asking, what college should I go to? Or, what, or what, what job should I step into next? Maybe who should I marry? <clears throat> There's a big question. What steps do I take to find out what God's will is for my life? Or how do, how do I make the most of my retirement? You know, I joked about that, but it's a serious question. Right? We, we are all facing transitions, whether you're the middle schooler who's trying to figure out, how am I going to survive the eighth grade tomorrow or in two weeks? Right? Or you're in retirement and you're saying, you know what? I don't want to just rest. I want to do something for the kingdom. What do I do? But as followers of Jesus, here's the big question. How do I know what God wants me to do next? And in order to begin answering that question, I'm going to go to a passage of scripture you probably already know. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. Give you a little context as you turn there. This is King Solomon, who the Bible tells us was the wisest man of all of time because God promised to give him special wisdom. Because in humility, he asked God to give him wisdom and God gave it to him. And in Proverbs chapter 3, King Solomon is like writing out short notes for his kids. <laughs> Like he's like, here, okay, God has shown me so much. Here's my advice for you as you grow up. And here's what he says to one of his sons, or all of them. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Sounds good. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Right, here's what he's talking about, like carve, carve the, the law that God has taught me that I've passed on to you like a, like a tablet in stone, can't be erased. Let God's law be written on your heart in a way where it can't go away, wash away, or be erased. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So what, what is Solomon pointing out here to his son, right? Somebody that he has a very vested interest in. What is he saying? The first thing he's saying in this passage is that we all have a divided heart. We all have mixed motives, 
You know, even the good decisions we make are often mixed with sinful motives. Here's an example. When I give $10 to a homeless guy, right? Part of my heart wants to do it to be a blessing to him. Part of my heart wants to do it so I feel better about myself. And this is true of every decision we make, guys. Our motives are always mixed. Our hearts are always divided. Number two, we all want to be self-reliant. I mean, beyond what is good. You know, next week we're going to be talking about what it means to work and be a Christian in the daily grind. You know, and so God wants us to work. He, he listen, if, if you want to grow up, guys, to be a godly man, that means you can take care of yourself. That means you can take care of your family. And then it means that you're always looking for other people to help. That's my definition for godly manhood. So being self-sufficient is not bad until it gets to the point where you really just want life on your terms. Because we can get to a point where we're such a self-made man or woman that we're, we're, we don't ask God anymore. We're not interested in what God has to say to us. We all want to have our own way. Here's another way of reading Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I want to read it to you again in, in different words. Be confident in and unsuspecting of the Lord in your deepest emotions and inner self. Do not be supported by or seek comfort from your own understanding. In everything you do, know, perceive, and experience God, and he will make the path ahead of you. So God promises that if we seek him and not our own way, that he will create a path in front of us. He will level the ground. He will fill in the ditches. He will cut out the roots that might cause you to trip. If we follow God's will, he makes the path in front of us. But there's more to this passage than just saying, if you follow God, life will be easy. That's not what the passage is saying. But what it's saying is that through the trial, God will walk you through it. He'll give you the map. He'll show you where to turn. He'll show you the obstacles that you can avoid. This passage is teaching us how to position our hearts to know with confidence when we have heard from God so that we can take confident and obedient steps into the life God has called us to live. You see, God is always wanting to speak to you. God is always wanting to speak to me. What I need to do is have my heart in a place where I want to hear what he has to say. Because when I want to hear what he has to say, he will speak to me and then I can be confident in the decisions that I make. I don't have to waver. I don't have to be afraid. But I can be confident. But in order for us to hear God and to know when we have heard from God, there's a few things that we need to consider. And we're going to start at the very basic place, right? Number one. We want to know what God's will. Here's what we got to do. Number one, we need to be wise. We need to be wise. And did you know there are two types of wisdom? There's what I'm going to call universal wisdom and what I'm going to call godly wisdom. 
Okay, and they're not entirely different, but in many ways, they are. Here's what universal wisdom is. Uh, when you're driving a car down the road, wear a seatbelt. That's just wisdom, <laughs> right? Don't text and drive. That's just wisdom. When you go down the road at 55 miles an hour, you should watch the road, right? This is universal wisdom. You know, here's universal wisdom. Don't use half a gallon of starch when you're ironing a shirt. I'm not going to say where I took this shirt to get dry cleaned, <laughs> but when I picked it off the hanger this morning, I thought I was picking up poster board. Like, I thought, I was like, man, my kids are going to steal this and use it at the science fair. But wisdom would tell me to read the instructions before I, I use a, a product, right? Did any, do you guys remember the In My Feelings challenge? The Drake song? in my feelings, where people, people were driving down the road, slow, right? But they were getting out of the car and dancing next to the car while the car was moving. Do you guys remember this? There's all these videos of people just wiping out, right? General wisdom, universal wisdom would say, don't, don't get out of your car when it's moving, right? The Bible also talks about universal wisdom. Listen to Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, if you wonder if there's a God, look around you, dummy. I mean, look at the world. <laughs> Look at the complexity of the world. I'm not going to get into all of that. And we talked about DNA when we talked about how do we know God is real. But God is real. God has revealed himself. That is universal truth. And what the Bible tells us is that this morning you're thinking, I don't really know if God's real because of this, this, or this. When you stand before God, you will, that will not be an excuse. What happens, guys, is God is revealing himself all around us. But because, because we're humanists and we want to live our life on our terms and believe that human beings, as crazy as it sounds, are the answer to all the problems in the world. If you think humans are the answer to all the problems in the world, don't read a history book. There ain't anything humans haven't screwed up, guys. Right? Maybe I'm just postmodern. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm Gen X. You know, I just set things on fire and watch them burn. <laughs> but God is real. And he's revealed himself. If we don't run around the world going la, 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 because we want our own way, we'll see it. So that's general wisdom. The other kind of wisdom we need is godly wisdom, which is found in the Bible. Okay, this is where God has revealed wisdom to us. As followers of Jesus, God's word, this should be like the central thing in my heart and mind. What this says should be at the center of my thinking. But you and I are used to thinking of that as a discipline or an obligation, right? Like, okay, if I want to know the word, if I want to know God, then I need to put in this much time a day. Then I need to read this much scripture every day. Some of you are reading so much scripture every single day that you're not remembering anything about what you read. You need to take smaller bites. You know how many verses I read sometimes in my quiet time? Maybe two sometimes. 
I just start reading, and when something hits me, I stop. And I say, okay, I'm going to take that word for today. (laughs) But we're used to thinking of it as an obligation, our relationship with the Bible as an obligation. I should. It's the right thing to do. Right? And spiritual disciplines aren't bad. It's not bad to set aside a time to pray. It's not bad to set aside a time to study the word. It's not bad to have some time to be secluded from all the voices in the world and just be alone with the word. But I want to paint a different picture for us this morning about how we can engage in the word of God. A joyful one. (laughs) And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some passages from the Psalms. Do you remember when we talked about how to study the Bible? It was like three, four weeks ago. And we talked about the Psalms is not the place for us to go and get instruction for living because they're songs. They're from the heart. But the Psalms are a great place for us to go if we want to understand what it's like to have a daily grind relationship with God or what it's like to engage with the Bible every day. Like, what's that relationship like? How how should my heart respond to God? How should my heart respond to his word? Just listen to these passages and what they say about God's word. Psalm 119 verse 147 says this. I rise before the dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Listen to Psalm 63 verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. That's what we were just doing, right? I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, like bacon. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. He's talking about God. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Listen to Psalm 16, verse 7. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Let me ask you a question. What events have happened in your life that before they happened, you were so excited that you couldn't sleep? Like, have you ever had something so good happen to you that either before it happened or after it happened, you found yourself just laying in bed, just like, oh, that is great. I can't wait. Or that was so good. Listen, this is how God wants us to feel about his word. Not an obligation but a joy. Something that's so life-giving to us that we just end up laying in bed just thinking about what it says. And listen, there are promises in here that can keep us up at night. Listen to Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. 
you know, evangelical Christians, we've been very guilty of banging people over the head with our Bibles. And we have big ones that we can hit people with, you know? Talk about slain in the spirit. We can do that through natural causes with a big family Bible. But I'm, I'm not appealing to legalism. But joyful engagement. A Bible that offers us joy and value and substance and purpose. This is what we stand to gain from engaging in God's word. Listen to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says this, His, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, the promises of the word, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Have you ever wished you could escape? A world just full of evil desires? By walking into the word and living in a dynamic relationship with the word and with God, guys, we can escape and not only escape, but have power and real knowledge and promises that will keep us up at night and a participation in what God is doing in the world, which is so much greater than anything we could do in the world. This is what shaping our lives and future around God's word will give us. And if we're going to know what God's will is, we need wisdom, universal wisdom, but more importantly, we need godly wisdom. In September, guys, we're starting a church-wide Bible study called Engage. And you've been hearing about it. And you can sign up, ladies, you can sign up to study the word together. And men, we're going to sign up and study the word together. This guy is going to be studying the word with you too. Right, and we're going to grow in our knowledge of the word. If you haven't signed up to be a part of Engage for the month of September, do it. Because the wisdom God gives us in the Bible is more true than any other wisdom. Universal wisdom is helpful, but God's wisdom is greater. And more than that, it's more true. So we need to be wise. Number two, we need to seek the advice of godly people. So when you're tackling a decision, use wisdom. What does the Bible say? What does common sense say, right? God's not going to tell you to walk outside a moving car, okay? Next, we need to seek the advice of godly people. And an obvious example might be a parent or a friend, Right? But it doesn't have to be. There are two places where we can find godly advice. The first one is a godly mentor. If you didn't know this, you need to know this, that every follower of Jesus needs to be mentored and needs to be a mentor. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're a Christian and you don't have someone older than you, someone who's been a Christian longer than you, that you're seeking counsel from in relationship, you need one. It's all through the Bible, mentorship, right? We've been reading Paul's letters and we, we occasionally read the names of these guys that Paul was mentoring. 
We all need to be mentored. I have three older men in my life that I talk to regularly to get advice in the decisions that I make and to speak into my life truth. You want someone who has a joyful understanding of God's word. Don't hunt someone down who's legalistic, right? If they're just legalistic, but someone who loves the word because of the value of it, because of what it's done in their lives. Remember that old doesn't always mean wise. <laughs> I, I know some people who are way older than me and they, I'm just telling you, okay? I would not go to them for advice. Remember that loud doesn't automatically mean wise either. Right? Sometimes the loudest voice in the room is just saying nonsense. Don't listen to the words that I say just because I'm holding a microphone. There are some people holding microphones you should not listen to. What we need is a, is a Bob and Ellen Davison. <laughs> people who have been tested, even though they're imperfect, they've been faithful. These are the kind of relationships we want in a godly mentor. And if you're growing in your walk with God, guys, the next thing you need to do is find someone to mentor. Find someone to take under your wing, ladies. Find someone to take under your wing, guys. Pass on what God has taught you. You may be like, but Phil, I don't know that much. You know more than somebody. Be mentored and be a mentor. The second place we get godly advice is from a godly community. This is your church. This is four points. There's other communities you may be a part of. You might be a part of a Christian Bible study and biker gang. Awesome. <laughs> right? That's a great place to get advice. You know? But your church is also that place. Because listen, your non-Christian friends can't give you godly advice. It doesn't matter what they've accomplished in the world. You can gain universal wisdom from an unbeliever. But you can't get godly wisdom from an unbeliever. Let me give you some examples. You find out that one of your coworkers is talking about you behind your back, trying to get you fired. That's probably happened to somebody in this room, right? Here's a worldly response from someone who's not a Christian. Speak evil about them. Discredit them before they discredit you. They started it. It's only fair. Here's a godly response. Forgive and allow God to defend you in his way and in his time. See how different it is? Here's another one. One of your teachers or your boss tells you that you could really become someone, but that you have to let go of your conservative religious beliefs. Right? Worldly response would be, I need to do what's best for me. I mean, I, I, I believe, I go to church, but I mean, this is my reality. I have to make the best decision for me. Here's a godly response. God's purpose for my life is what really matters. It's even more my reality. You see, when you live according to the principles of the world, you're actually not living in reality because God is real. That's your reality. These kinds of responses make no sense in a godless world. Absolutely none. But they have the best outcomes in this one. 
the world in which God exists. So if you want to make right decisions, you need godly mentors and you need to be a part of a godly community and you need to use wisdom. But number three, we need to listen to God. This is like the most frequently asked question I get anywhere, (laughs) right? How do I hear God's voice? How do I know when God's speaking to me? I mean, Phil, you're up there talking about hearing God, but how do you do that? I mean, does God just come down and be like, Phil, yes, sir. What I really want you to do is, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like that. So what is it like? There's a few things we need to do if we're going to listen to God. We need to pray. Listen to Philippians chapter four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, that's just a way of asking, with thanksgiving, like, God, I know you got this already, even before I ask. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends everything you think you know, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If you've got a decision to make, guys, just talk to God. Just talk to him anytime, anywhere. You don't have to be like, our father who art in heaven. You can, but God knows you. You know, what if one of my kids came up to me and they're like, father? Oh, I'm so thankful for your faithfulness to me over the last 14 years. Right? I'd be like, hold on a second. Are you my son? Like, you know me better than that. Number one, my sons would never talk that way. Number two, our relationship is deeper than that. And your relationship with God is deeper than that. You don't have to pray on your knees. You don't have to pray before supper. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. You can be in the car. You can be in the shower. You can be on the toilet. It doesn't matter. Just talk to him. Just talk like you always talk. You can talk to him when you're mad. God, I am frustrated. I don't understand what you're doing here. Listen, Jesus is a big boy. You're not going to hurt his feelings. Just talk to him. Normally. Uh, an, An old Christian said this, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. We need to pray. We also need to be honest with ourselves and God. If we want to know what God's will is, we need to be honest with ourselves and honest with him. James chapter 4 verse 3 really tells us about this conflict in the motives of our hearts. Like, like why are you asking for wisdom? Why, Why are you asking for a pay raise? What is it that you want from it? Why do I want to preach a good message? Is it because I want us to grow or is it because I want people to like me on YouTube, right? It matters, doesn't it? 
Why do you want to build that house? Why do we want to build a house? We need to be honest because God already sees our motives. He already knows why we're asking. And he's not sitting up there judging like, well, you're about 40% in the right direction, 60% in the wrong, forget it. God always looks at us through eyes of grace. There's no other way to look at us. But if we want to understand his will, we have to be honest about our own motives when we're talking to him and when we're asking for things or when we're asking for wisdom. We need to understand that God already knows the truth about us. And guys, here's where we get caught up. When we're in a legalistic environment, we approach God with fear. And we're going to talk more about this, but it's like, I'm afraid to ask God or I'm afraid what he's going to tell me. Like the moment I say, God, what is your will for my life? He's going to be like, go to Africa, right? You don't know what God's going to tell you. But the fear keeps us from asking. But when we really know God, there's intimacy. It's like a father to a child. Why not ask? Why not be honest? If you haven't written anything else down or if you're falling asleep, this is where I really want you to dial in, okay? If you want to know what God's will is in any situation in your life, there are only two questions you need to ask yourself. And th this is how Phil lives out his faith. Somebody else might do it different, but it works for me. Two questions. Number one, when I have a big decision, I ask myself, do I really want to know God's will? This is where I have to be honest, right? Am I, am I hoping he tells me something I want to hear? Or am I really asking him because I really want to know? If I can't answer yes to that question, I need to backtrack a little bit, do some soul searching. But if I ask, do I really want to know what God's will is in this situation? And if I can say yes, then I ask the second question, am I willing to do whatever he asks me to do? Am I willing to do whatever he asks me to do? Listen, guys. God is your father. He is always dialed into you. He is always speaking to you. He is always leading you. If you really want to know what God's will is, if you are really willing to do whatever he asks you, you can be at peace because he will lead you. God doesn't give you hoops to jump through. If you want to know, he will tell you. Sometimes we have to wait. He doesn't always tell us what we, he doesn't always give us an answer right now. But in those seasons, guys, where I don't have an answer right now, I wait. And I wait with confidence because it's like, hey, when God wants me to know, he'll let me know. As long as my heart is right, I can have that confidence. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to worry. 
We can wait for God's direction. Do you know that no decision has to be made before you have time to pray? No decision has to be made before you have time to talk to God. And waiting is not always a bad thing, guys. I began seeking the Lord because he called me to be a lead pastor four years ago. Four years ago. I've talked to a lot of churches. I flew back from a church in Texas one week before I had a first conversation here at Four Points. But it was in the waiting, even though it was four years of waiting, that God, when it was time, he showed me the right place in the right time. It was worth the wait, guys. You're incredible. I'm so blessed to be here with you. I didn't see that three and a half years ago, three years ago, two and a half years ago, two years ago, one year ago. But God opened the right door in the right time. All I had to do was have my heart in the right place. Most often, if God doesn't give you an answer, he wants you to stay the course you're on for now. Unless it's a sin. <laughs> You know, if you're a drug dealer, God's not telling you to stay the course before you pick a new career, okay? But more often than not, they're not decisions like that. And we say, God, do you want, do you want to change? What do, you, what do you want me to do? And if we don't get an answer right away, just be faithful where you are. And in the right time, God will show you because he will show you. You don't have to be afraid that he won't. The problem is, is that when we're making big decisions, we don't often look to God. We just see the circumstances surrounding us, especially the big ones. We just see the world throwing smoke at us, right? It's tempting to doubt that God's purposes will stand, but they will stand. God is greater than anything facing you right now. And no matter what decision you have to face, God is gonna hold you up. When we wait for God, we will never be disappointed. You see, the devil says you're going to be disappointed. No one who waits for God is ever disappointed. No one who seeks to do the will of God is ever disappointed. Just get your heart in the right place. Ask God to help you get your heart in the right place. And then he will lead you. And if we want to hear God's voice, we need to trust God. We need to trust God. If you don't trust God this morning, it's because you don't really know him. Now, I don't mean you're not a Christian. For some of you, that might be the case. But it might also be just, just a, a lack of discipleship. Because the more you know about God, the more you're going to like him the more you're going to trust him. The closer you get to him, the more you're going to see who he really is. And you're going to trust him. But as Christians, we mess this up. Let me tell you two ways we blow this. Here are some things that we say all the time in the Christian community that throw us off of the truth of God, that make us distrust God. Put your seatbelt on. Here's a lie in the church. 
God reveals his will to those who really press in. What kind of pressing in are you going to do? Impress God? We already said that even our good decisions are mixed with bad motives. Even our best decisions need repented of. So what are we going to do to really press into a God who's already sent his son to die to reach all the way out to us? Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 says this. is Jesus talking. He says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, or don't keep running your mouth like unbelievers, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So let's be biblical. It's not about pressing in. It's not about pushing down walls. God pushes down walls. He clears the path in front of you. Now I get it because sometimes when we worship and we and we re intentional, it helps us focus our minds, but it doesn't make God more attentive. There is nothing you could do to make God like you more, be more attentive to you, because your report card is straight F's. Thank God we have Jesus' report card, straight A's. Everyone sitting here today, we got a 4.0, baby. It's because of what Jesus did for us. So God's not asking you to press in. He's just asking you to believe that he's your father. And the more you trust, the more you'll hear. Here's another lie. God reveals his will to those with proven obedience. You better have a good report card if you want God to speak to you. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. Jesus had proven obedience and he gives that to us. So this morning, if you're seeking to know the will of God in your life for your future or for a specific decision, please, listen, please, if you don't walk away with anything else, walk away with this. Just know that God is not hiding from you. God is not hiding from you. If you genuinely want to hear him, if you genuinely want to do his will, then he will reveal it to you. And he will give you the tools to walk it out. Use wisdom, and especially the wisdom found in God's word. Seek out the wisdom of a godly mentor. Stay plugged in to a Christian community and pray and wait and trust. 
So here's the invitation this morning. What decisions have you and I been making without talking to God? I heard a great quote from Andy Stanley. It said this, your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination. Your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination. So what path are you walking down? Is it God's path or is it your path? Because you can have the best intentions in the world and still end up somewhere bad. We need to follow God's path, God's direction, and then we'll reach God's destination. Maybe you're checking out God this morning and you haven't given him your life. Listen to John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you don't know Jesus, you're not on the path. God's path is better. When Jesus said, I am the way, the Greek for the word way is road. Right? My house is only on one road. You can't pull down a different road and get to my house. That's what he's saying. If you don't come down 101, you're not going to get to Four Points Church. And if you don't come through Jesus, you're not going to get to God. So today, if you've been seeking out who God is, today is a great day to decide. And if you're seeking God's will for your future, just know that he's not hiding that he's going to reveal his will to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you that we can trust you to lead us down the right path. In Jesus' name, amen.